Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Chris Tubbs, Fire Chief for the Southern Marin Fire Protection District and President-elect for California Fire Chiefs. And today, our topic is the Marin County Wildfire Protection Authority. And I'm real excited about our guest, Mark Brown. Uh, Mark is the Executive Director for the MWPA. Uh, but I've asked Mark to tell um, the audience the story of his career, uh, its relevance to the position he has with the MWPA, and then we'll go into talking about what the MWPA is and why is it was created. And so with that, Mark, if you could introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your background and how that relates to what you're doing now. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me um, on the podcast today. Um, again, my name is Mark Brown, the executive officer for the Marine Wildfire Prevention Authority. And um, I started my career uh, back in 1986 with the small um, volunteer fire department, the Kenwood Fire uh, Protection District. And um, as I grew up in the fire service, I was raised on the lore of the 1964 Hanley Fire and the 1964 Nuns Fire, um, which were still um, some of the firefighters I was working with at Kenwood had been on those fires. So um, it, it was still relatively current history. Um, I was fortunate enough to get hired as a firefighter paramedic in 1991 at the Marin County Fire Department and uh, worked my way up through the ranks and eventually retired as the deputy fire chief um, in 2020. Um, part of my career included um, being on a Cal Fire incident management team for um, 16, 17 years um, and a 15 of those years as a type one operations section chief. And um I had the opportunity to serve on some of the, lar the largest and most devastating fires in the state's history. Um, I ended my career um, working on the August complex and the North complex in 2020. I was also the ops section chief for the Camp Fire, the Thomas Fire, the Sopranos Fire, the Detweiler Fire, um, many, many other large fires. And then I also had um, our Marin County Fire Resources responding all over the state and being um you know, closely connected to making sure that they're safe. And I, I see the wear and tear on on our firefighters. I see the wear and tear on the state's firefighters. And I really believe wholeheartedly that we are on an unsustainable pace. And what I've learned is every time a fire starts, firefighters are already behind in the race. And if you look at, uh, if you can picture in your mind, a curve, like a, a parabolic curve, and that parabolic curve getting steeper and steeper as time goes on, that's the complexity of our incidents. And I think that our ability to contain these um, complex incidents has been a linear increase. And so we are falling further and further behind. Um, some of the better successes I've had on wildfires is when there was significant pre-fire work, whether it was excellent defensible space work, shaded fuel breaks, or fuel breaks along the wild on urban interface boundary, where we were able to leverage that work pre um, during the fire, and that gave us significant um, increases in our success. And it, it just I just realized it was time for me to shift my career from chasing the fires and being behind the fires and focus on pre-fire work and wildfire mitigation before a fire ever starts. That way, the firefighters are not as far behind the fire when these fires ignite. And so that's why I was so excited when the MWPA formed and I had the opportunity to put in for this position. 
Well, it's a great segue, I think, really to the next sort of line of questioning about the Marin Wildfire uh, Prevention Authority. Um, and, you know, for those of us in Marin County, obviously, we we have a pretty good understanding of it. We work in the system. Uh, but for our folks across the state, uh, and of course, this podcast is going out to the Cal Chiefs um, group, as well as to uh, uh, my own agency internally, um, Tell us a little bit about uh, what was really the, the catalyst for the MWPA. Obviously, um, wildland fire is not new. Um, we stood the MWPA up in 2018. So what, what really sort of brought this around? Well, there's so many things that we could say are a catalyst for the MWPA, but I'm going to focus on four items. One of them is our um, Fire Safe Council that is that covers all of Marin. We have a, just a single Fire Safe Council called Fire Safe Marin. We established that in 1992 following the Oakland Hills fire and, and l- taking the lessons learned from the Oakland Hills fire and creating Fire Safe Marin. And I really believe that Fire Safe Marin helped bring all the Marin fire agencies together with a single voice and a single drive and, and also a single connection to our community members when it comes to wildfire prevention. Uh, the next step I think was that was important was our 2016 Community Wildfire Protection Plan. I believe um, it was our second CWPP, but the first CWPP was pretty thin, to be honest. This was a very comprehensive CWPP. It was recognized across the state as an excellent model to follow. And um, it really drove our efforts, it focused our efforts, it defined the problem and helped us create a project list for us to get behind and work on together. And then um, wildfire has an excellent way of waking people up. And with the 2017 North Bay fires uh, being one county away from us, and Chief Weber put it so well, the only thing separating Sonoma County and Marin County that night was ignition. We were fortunate that we did not have an ignition in Marin. Sonoma County had multiple ignitions, the only difference between the two counties. So we invited all of the public safety agencies, law enforcement, fire, uh, land management agencies to Marin and conducted the lessons learned. Um, And we asked them what they did before the fire, during the fire, after the fire, what were their successes, what were their challenges? This created our lessons learned report, which was published and adopted by the Board of Supervisors. It had six pages, single line spaced of action items. And what was clear is there's no, there was no single agency charged with making sure these action items uh, happened. And probably more importantly, there was no single agency that had the funding to make sure that all of these items occurred. So the recommendation out of that was a joint powers agreement would be a way to bring all the agencies together and have some form of funding. And then the fourth item is that we had tremendous support from our civil grand jury, and they wrote a report that echoed our recommendations, and they recommended a tax behind it. So to have a civil grand jury recommend a tax behind a joint joint powers agreement, it's pretty powerful to the members of the public. And that's how we ended up with um, creating the JPA and a $20 million a year tax assessment that funds us. Yeah, you know, you're really right. It really was the alignment of a number of things. Um, if I could say sort of the the perfect alignment, the perfect storm, if you will, pardon the pun, of all of these things coming into alignment that created an environment that you had both the public, uh, the public's concern, the level of the concern, 
um, an identified need and plan, and then this create a willingness to support uh, a revenue stream through the application of a parcel tax. And, and a second ago, you mentioned CWPPs, and I want to get into that in a minute, because as we know, not everyone in the state has a CWPP. And I think, as you noted, that's an important ingredient. But sort of dialing back, staying in this MWPA lane for a second, um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the objectives. You sort of were alluding to them through the grand jury report, the lessons learned report. Uh, what were and what are the objectives of the MWPA? That's an awesome question. And it was something that our board decided that they wanted to address early on. And um, within two months of, of me becoming the executive officer, we started our strategic planning process. And we identified five key goals that would guide the MWPA's work. Um, the goal number one is vegetation management. Goal number two is to, uh, fire detection alert systems and evacuation management systems. Goal number three was grants and, um, and grants focused towards our residents rather than grants focused towards member or public agencies. These grants are helping our residents take their responsibility and improve the home hardening and defensible space around their homes. Um, the fourth goal is public outreach and education. And we're just finding out that the more our public is informed, the better decisions they make regarding their responsibilities of home hardening and defensible space. And the final um, uh, goal that we have, and I think um, after we look back, um, let's say we 10 years of the NWPA and we look back and we look for our single largest success, I think this last goal is going to be that single largest success, and that is defensible space and home hardening efforts. Uh, and the inspectors that we are employing and the 40 plus thousands of inspections a year that we are conducting. And I think that is our best form of public education with our inspectors walking around our homes with our residents and encouraging our residents to take responsibility to increase the safety of their homes. And, and our mantra in that, in, in that regard is uh, the strength of a community is the sum of its parts. And if each mem community member does their part, then our communities will become that much stronger. That, that's a really great explanation, Mark, I think of the objectives that, you know, that we've set out in the MWPA. And, you know, one of the natural, I, I think, questions that sort of comes from that is, well, how do we know if we're successful? How do we measure the uh, the traction or the effect that we have through public education? Um, how are we measuring effectiveness around, you know, fuel reduction and fuel mitigation, those kinds of things? Can you talk a little bit about what we have done and what we are in the process of doing? Absolutely. And um, defining these measures of success, um, I believe, needs to be done right. And I think we need to find quality measures of success. Um, some measures of success that I've seen out there um, are more, um, I don't know if they're pointed in the right direction, such as we are going to um, clear X amount of acres, or we will conduct X amount of miles of, of evacuation route clearing. Well, sometimes that can drive an agency just to get the miles out of the evacuation routes rather than the quality of the evacuation routes. And, and so we really have endeavored in a thoughtful process. One of our measures of success will be um, fires impacting the areas that we have had projects. And in our short lifetime, we've already had fires hit some of our projects. And we have seen the reduction in fire behavior that we fully anticipated from our work. 
Um, I love using this example that we have on San Rafael Hill. Uh, this uh, San Rafael Fire had a great project on a f- area that gets frequent fires for Marin County. The, it was a nighttime fire. No aircraft were available. I heard from multiple residents come to me and said, we knew that San Rafael Fire and MWPA had conducted the project um, in front of this fire. And we had a higher degree of confidence. We were confident that this fire was not going to turn into a devastating fire. And I think that's a huge testament that they were confident that um, our work was going to make a difference. And that work did make a difference. But not every portion of our work will ever be impacted by a fire. And so we have endeavored to look at what is really destroying homes and fires? What are what is making these fires turn into devastating fires? And if there is one good thing about the last decade of fires is we have a tremendous amount of data now. And so we have been pouring through that data. We have evaluated what is causing urban conflagrations. We have identified what is uh, destroying homes. We have determined what is making these fires turn into to ground fire, to running crown fires. And we've developed a system to evaluate the work that we are doing um, with our home hardening efforts, defensible space and fire smart landscaping efforts, evacuation route clearing, and then shaded fuel breaks along the WUI boundary. And we're actually coming up with quantifiable risk reduction for our work. Um, it's still in um, a very small sample size that we have done this. Uh, we have some beta tests that we have going, and then we have actually are in a peer review process of our product before we um, push it out to all of the MWPA. But I believe that we're going to be able to have a, this, a quantifiable value of the risk assess or the risk decrease that we've created within Marin. You know, Mark, I think one of the reasons, and we we, we didn't talk about it earlier, uh, but just for our audience's um, um, purposes, I guess, um, while obviously the the reason that we want to have the measurables, you know, is to help us refine um, our strategies and our techniques to determine effectiveness. There's also a 10 year window on this. So uh, I think most of us who are in, in the MWPA, of course, believe that um, this is not something that will end. Uh, we may get to quote unquote a maintenance mode, but there will still always be a requirement of funding. And so uh, like anything where um, the public in, is investing their money in us to help reduce risks, uh, there's a real need to demonstrate uh, both effectiveness and and uh, a reduction in that risk. And I think these efforts and these energies that you and your team um, are uh, investing in are so, so critical. It, you know, we've been we've been up and running effectively for, you know, three and a half, four years now. And, and I've been thinking about um, this podcast with you and talking about the MWPA and as you and I are, and the other member agencies, you know, we've been in it since day one, actually before day one, and it's very intimate to us. We understand it, but I've been trying to think about this through the lens of other agencies across the state who are dealing with the same challenges, some of them perhaps even more severe than in Marin County. And what, what um, kind of information uh, what value can they draw out of this conversation? What ideas could they draw out of this conversation that they might find, you know, valuable? And we've certainly talked about what brought the MWPA uh, into creation. We're talk we're talking a little bit about this measurement of success. Um, can you talk a little bit about the 
structure, the internal structure of how we're taking the uh, $20 million a year that we've raised, how we are allocating that kind of the methodology, the reason behind that methodology, and help our readers understand sort of the, the thought process and how the mechanics of that work. Uh, great question. And um, the state of California is the model of mutual aid. We are, there is nobody better at responding to fires and with a single effort. However, I would argue that our fire prevention efforts are not as um, cohesive. And especially implementing large-scale projects over um, multiple jurisdictions is very difficult to coordinate with different purchasing and procurement policies from one jurisdiction to another. So the MWPA really was designed to cross, have these projects cross these jurisdictional boundaries. So um, we have three primary categories. That is um, for our funding mechanisms. 60% of it we call our core budget. 20% is for our defensible space evaluations and defensible space improvements. And 20% of our budget goes right back to our member agencies for uh, local mitigation projects with the realization that nobody knows their jurisdiction better than our local fire agencies. And so they are the subject matter experts for their jurisdiction. And this allows them to have projects that are geared towards their community's most important needs. So let's back up to the core projects. The whole idea behind the core projects are large scale projects that span across multiple jurisdictions. Public education is one example of that. We use FireSafe Marin as our primary public education tool. This allows us to have a one-stop shop for all of our residents, and we have this consistent message going across the county. Evacuation route clearing projects is another great example. We will fund an entire area for evacuation route projects, regardless of the jurisdiction. Many of these routes travel through multiple jurisdictions. And then I think our best example is a project that we're starting here in a couple of days, and that's the Greater Ross Valley Shaded Fuel Break. It's a 38-mile-long shaded fuel break along the wildland-urban interface boundary of, of Ross Valley. It'll be between 100 to 300 feet in width. It'll be continuous, and it crosses through nine different jurisdictions within the county of Marin. And it is being consolidated into a single effort. And I think you hit something really important earlier, Chris, and that is the maintenance. Uh, we All of this work that we are doing, we need to consider it infrastructure that needs to be maintained and having the JPA and having the funding mechanism behind it will allow for that maintenance. I appreciate that explanation, Mark. Again, I, as I've been thinking about this podcast for um, a while, um, I, I have been reflecting on conversations I've had with other uh, chiefs across the state and, you know, listen to sort of their um, the environment that they're in, you know, they're dealing with the same challenges that, that we've had in Marin County and, and, uh, you know, my hope is in this podcast, we'll give them some ideas by, you know, this thing that we've been doing in Marin County it may not be right for everyone, but there may be pieces of it. Uh, but we have certainly tried to take this comprehensive approach, as, as you have said, um, around reducing um, the risk. And earlier, you touched on something that I think is really critical 
and that is our community wildfire protection plan. And, you know, I, I know in doing some of my own research, uh, even for the county where I live, um, a lot of counties don't have a CWPP. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about, you know, obviously, what is a CWPP and, and what are you finding that is so important about a CWPP and why it's not just another study that you do that you put up on the bookcase? Um, how has it been valuable for us as we have launched and we move forward with the MWPA? Well, I, I think you're going to um, um, completely agree with my first comment. It's not so much the CWPP that was important. It was the journey in creating the CWPP and bringing all the fire agencies together, all the land management agencies together, and looking at the fire problem together and defining what our wildfire problem is, and then defining what we need to do as a community to decrease our wildfire risk. And bringing in the land management partners through the CWPP process was so vitally important because especially in Marin, where nearly half of the land is publicly owned, and we do have some very distinct wildland-urban interface boundaries where the public lands are abutting right up against our homes. Having our land management agencies in the process of creating the CWPP was vitally important. Then it allowed us to do our parcel-level risk assessment. So we um, leveraged a grant that we received in 2019 when we updated our uh, CWPP, which is current as of 2020. And we were able to use that LIDAR data to create a parcel level risk assessment. So we have a risk assessment of all of our community or homes and communities within Marin that allows us to prioritize our work in the number one high priority areas. And this is what's guided the MWPA's mission. And then one of the addendums to the CWPP is our project list. And so every time we go to build our work plan, we look at that parcel level risk assessment. We look at the, the projects that were identified as part of the CWPP and our work plan is tailored around that. So it, it, um, two things, the, the journey to create the CWPP, bringing all the agencies together into a single mind and a single focus, and then the prioritized data and the project list for is our foundation for our work. So, so let's say I'm a community and um, I've listened to this and I, uh, you know, I go, yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense to me. I appreciate it. It really is about the journey. It's about the partnership. Where, where do I go? Where, if, if I want to be the catalyst to initiate a CWPP, where could we point someone? How could we help them sort of think about how to begin that process? Well, there's there's so many great CWPPs out there. Marin County isn't the only one with a great CWPP, but for sure they can reach out to um, uh, to the MWPA. They can reach out to the Marin County Fire Department that led the effort for our last CWPP. Cal Fire is a tremendous resource as well. Um, and then um, look at the the um, literature that's being pushed out by the Fire Adapted Network. Um, they have so many great concepts of what we need to include in our CWPPs, but I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. I would go out and find the CWPPs that they have seen, um, find the ones they like the best, and then talk to the people that made them and and, and learn from their successes and challenges so they can um, leverage those successes and um, get past the challenges other people may have had. 
You know, one of the things you know only too well, um, as we have brought the MWPA to fruition, is um, we've got all these great ideas. We got good data that helps point us in the direction of uh, sound and measurable um, strategies and tactics, if you will, prescriptions uh, to help reduce this risk. One thing we haven't talked about, but I think is probably important, especially if there's a community out there that says, hey, this sounds like a really great idea, is let's talk for a second just a little bit about CEQA and the environmental impact and concerns and how that has affected the MWPA and what recommendations, you know, would you as the executive officer share with someone who said, yeah, this we, we want to go down this path? Wow, CEQA is, that is such a great question. Um, you know, after 30 plus years in the fire service, CEQA was a four letter word, best avoided, right? And um, now that I have moved into my new um, realm as executive officer of an agency that is manipulating the land a lot, I have I embrace CEQA. I have no choice about it. It's something that I need to follow. And there is there are ways to successfully and efficiently apply the standards of CEQA to our projects. And the best way to do that is to employ subject matter experts in environmental compliance. I am not that person. So I went out and hired a planning and program manager that has an excellent background in environmental compliance. And then we pushed forward a request for proposals to bring on board an environmental consultant. So I have subject matter experts that efficiently push out our environmental documents. In the first year of having our environmental consultant on board, we had 26 notices of exemption published, and that related to 26 different projects that we were able to get on the ground and running. And then for our Greater Ross Valley Shaded Fuel Break, we leveraged the California Vegetation Treatment Program, the programmatic EIR created by the Board of Forestry and CAL FIRE. Um, so we went through that process rather than having to go through our own environmental impact report. We were able to leverage that document through the project-specific analysis and an addendum to extend it beyond the treatable landscape that's defined by the Cal VTP. So don't try to avoid CEQA. Embrace CEQA and hire people and get people who are efficient in its application. Because if you try to avoid CEQA, it's just going to come back around. Someone's going to come in and put an injunction on you, and you're not going to be able to get the work done. And it's going to uh, take even longer to get it going. Uh, such such great counsel. I really appreciate that. I'm sorry you've you've had to sort of be on the the leading edge of all of that, but um, all of us member agencies really appreciate the work that you Anne, and your staff are doing. So thanks on that. Um, you know, clearly one of the pieces that we've not talked about that is uh, either through implication or just simple logic it, that's linked to this is the link to insurance premiums. Um, I, I don't know that there's a fire agency out there that has not gotten a call from one of their residents saying, hey, I got a cancellation letter or I got a premium rate change letter. And, um, you, you know, naturally they want to know how how do I avoid that or how do I reduce the rate increase or, or you know, not have a cancellation. Um, clearly, the MWPA has some uh, relation to that. C can you tell us a little bit about 
what the MWPA is and to the extent that you know, you know, the, the other initiatives that are underway, you know, some of them through Cal Chiefs and Cal Fire, of course, working with IBHS and, and uh, others, some of our legislators, what, what's sort of going on there? And, and do people, do you feel like that there is going to be a link between the work we're doing, like around defensible space inspections and then the mitigation work, home hardening and all that, and actually having an impact um, on premiums and cancellations. Uh, yes, yes, and yes, and and I think that actually the relationship with the insurance companies will be one of the vital links to getting um, compliance of of our residents with our defensible space work. Um, you know, there's the whole concept of of citing people and finding people if they don't do get their work done. That's been proven across the state to be not effective at all because typically. Um, the work that we are asking for is more expensive than the citation. So many people will just simply pay the citation. Uh, we f- do feel that public education is a strong component of getting compliance. But when a resident knows that their insurance may be canceled or their rates may go up significantly if they don't comply with the defensible space regulations, I think that's a powerful tool. And one of the things I'm learning is there are some insurance companies that simply don't want to insure in California. And, but there are, I'm finding that there are several insurance companies that want to continue to insure in California. And they are looking at the best way for them to protect their investment and get their return on their investment. And they understand that it may uh, require a little bit of an increase in their investment. So we are currently partnering with several um, insurance companies on um, making sure that we are following the IBHS standards that have been established. They've seen our inspection programs. They see our process and we are starting to get them to value our inspection processes and then use that information to either, um, cancel any non or can't uh, make sure that no non renewals are occurring, that people are able to continue to get their insurance. And then they're actually um, are they are starting to incentivize this work and you can get a decrease in your insurance rates if you comply. Or you can also if you're part of a firewise community and your community is banded together, there's another decrease in work. And then we um, are actually exploring a, a form of a grant program with insurance companies that they would actually help fund some of the work within the properties that they are ins- insuring because they know that that is going to give them a return on their investment. They are, would be less likely to have a large payout should a wildfire occur. So my recommendation to anyone out there is the more coordinated and efficient and effective you are with your defensible space evaluation program, home hardening efforts, the more likely it is that the insurance company is going to want to partner with you. That's great. And and I, I really appreciate the work that you and your team, again, are doing in that space, as well as a, a number of other folks who are are working to really make that link and that connection. Um, I think as public servants, you know, we really take to heart um, the, sort of the challenge that we have in taking um, our residents' hard-earned tax dollars um, and applying them effectively, investing them, if you will, on their behalf to have an impact in their life and being able to help them um, continue to insure their home or even stay in their home in some cases, uh, you know, it's just a really, really rewarding thing. So I think, you know, a lot of work still to do, but it's really exciting to see the direction of this. Um, 
again, Mark, with you being our first executive officer, um, and I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Jason Weber, Chief Weber's um, comment that he used from the very, very early days, and it still comes to the surface from time to time, which is, you know, we're building the plane while we're flying the plane, uh, which is very apropos. Um, talked about a lot of different things today, but are there are there things that you have found as an executive officer, maybe that we've not touched on today that are important? Or you think, again, for some of the communities that may not have anything and are looking where to start, uh, anything that we've not touched on today that you think we should? You know, um, the work that we're doing is, is, is not revolutionary work. It's not groundbreaking work. Um, we are following models of other communities for the on-the-ground type work that's being done. I think what's different is how we are working together to get this work done. And I've said this many times, the strength of the MWPA is the strength of its member agencies. Our member agencies have um, excellent relationships with each other, excellent relationships with their governing bodies, whether it's a city council or their fire board. And it's the the idea that we're all in this together and we are going to come together as a group and identify how we apply these to these tasks. And um, I think what's novel about the MWPA is our governance model. It's allowed for collaboration, yet having a balance of local control. And it's taken a lot of work to balance that collaboration and local control, but I think we found a model that works. And like you said, it, um, not everybody has to adopt something exactly like the MWPA, but I think if there's one thing I would, besides the funding, that there's one thing that I would um, really encourage people to look at is our governance model. Yeah, and for our audience, uh, you know, if you want to get any of that information, of course, it's available on the website, which is www.marinwildfire.org, not mwpa.org. You'll go somewhere else if you use that. Uh, but certainly we encourage people to uh, to use those resources because, like you say, we're all about sharing. And, of course, the fire service is famous for plagiarizing. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't own anything. Um, I Before we sort of close this out, um, I want to say thank you, first of all, for, you know, making time to talk about this. I know you, you're juggling a lot of things. Uh, 17 member agencies is not an easy uh, job. Uh, but I also just want to take a moment and say thank you um, personally. Um, you know, obviously, I've known you for almost eight years now, uh, both as a deputy chief at uh, the Marin County Fire Department and now as our first um, executive officer at MWPA. And you were given a really heavy lift um, in, a, in an agency that was just starting uh, 17 members uh, that come from very sort of different areas of the county with very different sort of um, or nuanced differences in, in politics and needs and, and interests. And uh, I'm just really grateful, Mark, that you have not only taken it on, but really you've you have taken it to heart. You've um, embraced the challenge. You've worked through many, many challenges uh, as there are in any startup of a JPA. And I'm just really, really grateful for that because I think because of your personal investment in this, um, I think it's put us on a really good course. And I think that the the future for the MWPA continues to be very, very bright, which of course means that we're going to be effective for our communities. And that's what this is all about. So um, that's my closing part, uh, but I would like to just turn it back to you if you've got any closing thoughts. But again, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing um, all about the MWPA. Well, I, I really appreciate that, uh, Chris. Thank you. Um, 
And I will say if there is one thing that has allowed the MWPA to succeed, it's its relationships and the relationships that were established prior to the MWPA's formation. And whenever there is a challenge within a particular community or within a particular topic or discipline within public safety, these relationships, pre-existing relationships were leveraged many times in order to get past and through that challenge. And so um, for anybody that's looking for this in the future, it's it's build these relationships now and leverage them when you need them. That's great, Mark. And th- thank you for those closing thoughts. And again, uh, you know, because part of the catalyst for this was for information for other communities that might be uh, sort of struggling or looking for ideas. Um, please feel free to reach out to uh, Mark and the Marin Wildfire uh, Prevention Authority. Uh, again, the website is www.marinwildfire.org, all one word. And uh, we are more than happy to share uh, anything that might be of value to, uh, to any community. So thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks.